Medic 43, District 1, Engine 51, Response, Cardiac Arrest. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the MCHD Paramedic Podcast. Dr. Casey Patrick here again, the Assistant Medical Director here at MCHD. Joining me today is our uh, Clinical Manager, Jordan Anderson. Hello. And Andy's got us again on the controls. And today we're going to talk a little bit about lung protective ventilation, kind of from a pre-hospital perspective. Uh, We introduced lung protective ventilation strategies back in the early part of 2017 and have made a few adjustments since then. And just want to take a quick 20 minutes or so to review lung protective ventilation and talk a little bit about some of the details behind it and why we why we chose to to change our our vent settings and our vent protocols. So what's the problem? What where do we why did we change this? What led us to what led us to making these changes? And to be honest, the evidence has been collecting for the you know for the past almost 20 years that lower tidal volumes um, improve outcomes in intubated patients. And kind of the cornerstone or the foundation to this this evidence was the ARSNET study. It's almost 20 years old now, and it showed that decreasing tidal volumes uh, decreased the acute respiratory distress syndrome incidence or the ARDS incidence in these intubated patients. Again, that was an ICU study, almost 20 years old. How does that translate to the pre-hospital setting? Again, that's probably why some of this has been slow moving to reach us um, here in the world of, of pre-hospital care. But just in the past year, second study came from the ED, the LOVE trial. So again, a little closer to us. And they did, made some pretty simple changes in vent settings and vent management post-intubation and showed significant decreased mortality after fo- focusing on lower tidal volumes, uh, FIO2 weaning, head of bed elevations in the ED setting. Um, and you may say to yourself, well, you know, this is after we get to the hospital, right, doc? I mean, this is in the ICU. This is on day two and day three. And there are multiple studies that show that ventilator-induced lung injury, or VILI, occurs rapidly. And we also know, studies have shown, and it makes common sense, that initial settings, whether it's vent settings, whether it's antibiotic choices, the things that get ordered first, there's a large carryover effect from the ED to the ICU, and that can also be extrapolated from pre-hospital care to the ED. So in other words, if we pick the right vent settings, we're putting that patient on a better path to having those settings continued. So who better than to start correctly than than the EMS service? So doc, now we're teaching six to eight mils per kg of ideal body weight, but in the past, that's not what we were doing. You might would have found a crew that told you five to 10 mils uh, per kg, but we were doing based on, on actual body weight. Or a lot of times in the past, you would take your ventilator previous settings of 750 mils or even a liter and use that tidal volume. And so that's what I think we did in the past. And it's not accounting for body habits. It's not accounting for obesity. You looked at an obese patient that's five foot six tall versus someone whose ideal body weight at five foot six tall uh, and their lungs are about the same size, despite your impression walking up that, that you would use drastically different tidal volumes. That's your instinct, but it's it's grossly incorrect. You really want to use tidal volumes based on ideal body weight or predicted body weight. We've just found that calculating ideal body weight based on heights is a lot more accurate than using their weight. So that's that's perfect perfect kind of lead into where we came from, Jordan. Um, you know, and I was as guilty of it as, as anyone else. Is what we were taught. I mean, this is not a hundred years ago. This is in you know early two thousands. It's six. To, you know, where did you start your vent? Six to eight milliliters per kilogram of tidal volume. And that was whether the patient was five foot and 300 pounds or six foot six and 300 pounds, you'd end up getting the same tidal volume from a weight-based calculation. And just like Jordan said, in that person, 
the lungs are going to be the same size if you're five six and three hundred or five six and one fifty. So it doesn't make any sense to calculate your tidal volume based on weight. We're, we, we moved in MCHD to predicted body weight. So let's hit a little bit of these vocabulary basics before we, before we go too much farther. We've, we've talked about several of these already. First off, lung protective ventilation. What are we talking about? We're talking about trying to protect the lungs from injury from the ventilator after we put them on the vent. So start out with just tidal volume. Tidal volume is the volume of gas that's inhaled with each breath. So again, this is a very important number for us because we don't want to over distend the lungs. PEEP, oxygenation, head of bed are also very, very important here. So PEEP is going to prevent trauma from atelectasis. Atelectasis is just the collapsing of the airway. So if you think about what PEEP does, and we've talked about this in lectures before, PEEP acts sort of as a doorstop of the alveoli. So if you don't have a doorstop in place, the door slams shut over and over and over, and eventually the door jam's going to damage, right? Same thing for the alveoli. If it's slamming shut with each breath and there's no peep to hold that alveoli door open, then the alveoli is going to become damaged as well, release all the cytokine inflammatory mediators, and that's, again, going to lead to acute respiratory distress syndrome or ARDS. Um, what is ventilator-induced lung injury? It does include ARDS, and that is probably the most well-known one we think about when we think about ventilator-induced lung injury. It's, again, it's a hospital diagnosis. It's not going to be seen in the patient that we pick up from the street, but we sure have a role in reducing its incidence, and that's because you know one of the main causative factors for ARDS is being on the ventilator in general. But there are other groups of ventilator-induced lung injury as well. There's ventilator-induced pneumonia, ventilator-induced aspiration, ventilator-induced pneumothorax, uh, barotrauma. So our settings are going to play a role in all those. Um, so we need, to, we need to be considerate of those when we start the patient on the vent. So doc, with those settings you've named, they each kind of have a, a disease process that they help prevent, right? So you get the right PEEP setting, you're preventing the atelectasis. If you get the right tidal volume, you're preventing the barotrauma. All these right settings together reduce the likelihood of the patient getting ARDS, which is really a, a piece of the puzzle that we can prevent to patients going in the ICU in their long-term stay. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, the tidal volume is going to be the barrel trauma and the volume trauma. The PEEP is going to be the, the trauma from the atelectasis. The, uh, you know, let's not forget the oxygen, right? I mean, we've, we all learned Mona for cardiac patients, right? And everybody that was a STEMI got put on oxygen. And if you look at every ICU disease process from COPD to stroke to STEMI, there's study coming out seems like every six months it shows that hyperoxygenation in these patients is detrimental. In other words, if you've got a STEMI and your oxygen saturation is 98%, you don't need four liters of nasal cannula oxygen. So I think, you know, the oxygen setting is the one that we don't really think about because we're so programmed to give oxygen, give oxygen, give oxygen. And if you have a head injured patient that gets whacked with a bat and you intubate them, their lungs and their oxygenation and their ventilation is going to be normal. Now, their ventilation is normal because you took it over, but their oxygenation would never have been compromised because there's no lung disease. So that patient does not need 100% FiO2. Um, if you think about neonatal hyperoxygenation, we know that in neonates, you know, that's detrimental. Stands the reason that it would you know, go across all age groups, and that's been proven over the past 10 to 15 years, but it takes a long time for us to break our habits. So yes, tidal volume, PEEP, positioning, and oxygenation are all going to target each com each one of those separate ventilator-induced lung injuries. Our ventilators have two options for FAO2. We have 100% and 60%. So I would encourage you to 
intubate everyone at 100%. A few minutes of 100% is not going to cause hyperoxemia. Um, but after you've had your patient intubated and you've, you're reassessing your patient, I think it's a good time to consider your FiO2 and consider weaning. If you're at 100%, even if it's a respiratory patient, uh, they can tolerate, they lower FiO2 down to, say, 94%. But if you get down there, there's, there's no harm in, in increasing FiO2 back up to 100%. It's not, a, it's not a cable contract, right? You're not signing a three-year deal, and if you back out, you owe them $2,000. If you take a patient, you intubate them, you click them from 100 to 60, and they drop to 88, turn it back up. And obviously, the more sophisticated vents in the hospital, more easily able to fine-tune that FiO2 setting. But for us, I think let's take the low-hanging fruit, right? The head injuries, the overdoses, the ones we know have normal lungs to start with, stink a little bit ahead of time and plan on weaning from 100 to 60 as, as soon as you can. And again, I totally agree with you, Jordan. Start these people with 100%. There's no reason not to for that short time period. Just keep it in mind. How are we calculating ideal height-based tidal volume? You know, how do they do that in the ARDS net study? Isn't that a complicated chart? And it was, and there's, you know, there's male and female calculations. You know, when we decided to introduce this back in the spring, I thought long and hard about how we wanted to do this. Do we want to introduce tape measures? Do we want to post a chart in the truck? And I think all those things are not unreasonable options, but again, we're in a, in a closed box setting. You know, it's a, it's a different environment than being in the controlled hospital setting. And I think that the easier way to do it is to come up with a simple formula that we can, we can do in our head. And what we came up with here at MCHD is take the estimated height in feet. Don't have to tape measure out, but you can look at somebody and say about five foot, about five and a half feet, about six feet tall. Take that height and subtract one and a half and multiply your result times 100. So in other words, if you had, let's use a five and a half foot patient, for example, you would take five and a half and subtract 1.5 and get four feet or four, multiply that times 100, and your tidal volume is going to be 400. So a six foot patient, six minus one and a half is four and a half times 100, 450. So again, sort of hard to describe with words, height minus one and a half times 100 gives you your tidal volume. If the patient's 5'8", and you estimate 5'6", you're gonna be within range. If the patient's 6'2", and you estimate six feet, you're gonna be in range. Um, how have we done since we initiated this protocol at MCHD? We've actually dropped our tidal volumes initial setting by 20% compared to before our lung protective ventilation initiative. So again, the ED study recently done, published, show decreased ICU stay, decreased ARDS, decreased mortality when using these settings pretty reasonable to think that we can we can start that process when our innovative patients are in our care sooner the better should have improved patient outcomes also so let's let's review real quick again lung protective ventilation is going to be a multi-part multi-pronged process again the the key the sort of the the keystone is the tidal volume and we're going to calculate that based on predicted body weight not actual body weight like we did before um, we're going to think about peep we should have PEEP on already because we've used it for our pre-oxygenation process. Think about keeping the head of bed up, preventing aspiration, pneumonitis, pneumonia. Again, the head of bed should already be up from our intubation setting, our intubation positioning. Want to make sure that we don't hyperoxygenate patients that don't need it. Again, if we can turn it down to 60, let's turn it down to 60. Um, and if we need to ventilate someone more. If we're concerned about our ventilation effort, we don't want to increase our tidal volume. We want to increase our rate. So that about sums us up for today. Um, Jordan, thanks for 
Thanks for joining me for this discussion. And again, if you guys have questions or concerns, ideas, please fire them our, our way. Thank you guys as always for listening, and we'll talk to you again soon. This podcast was brought to you by the Montgomery County Hospital District, Texas. Production and editing by Andrew Adams. Questions or comments, which are always welcome, can be sent to podcast at mchd-tx.org. Make sure to subscribe above to keep updated to all our future casts. Music, copyright, Kevin McLeod, and Competech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0.